and we're back again a little later this week, but we're back talking hockey a little more hockey. Better than ever. Yeah, you got me there. But also, we got a yeah, all right. Look forward to our next hockey podcast, actually, because we may have a uh, special guest joining us. So keep a lookout for that. That'll be I think next Wednesday. We actually have a date. Should be yep. Seventeenth market calendars, folks. Mm-hmm. So we'll have back-to-back days of podcasts coming up next week. Worth it. Yep. So keep a look out on that. Um, as we get later in the podcast, I think you'll figure out why we kind of jumping ahead. Yeah, jumping ahead. Uh, but yeah, we got a good amount to talk about uh, today. A lot of kind of league-wide stuff that's taken place in the last week or so since we flashed podcasts. A lot of mm-hmm. it kind of around the flyers and obviously uh, yeah, dealing with uh, COVID outbreaks and everything. Uh, the Penguins, who we did say uh, Rutherford resigned, they did find their new uh, GM. We'll get to that a little bit later. Jeff has a stat head, as, as always. And we move on to New Jersey in our uh, deep dives and, of course, anything else we come across as we podcast today. So as we start the, most of these podcasts out, let's get to that uh, stat head, Jeffrey. All righty. So leading the way is Jake Muzzin for Toronto. Three assists, nearly 20 minutes of ice time, uh, plus two shot on goal. Um, other than that, pretty quiet night offensively. Uh, top goalies yesterday, uh, Freddie Anderson, two goals allowed, 33 saves, 0.94, uh, three save percentage, 33 saves, 35 shots. Same exact thing for Tuka Rask, uh, who, who, who had himself a relatively uh, good night in one very bizarre moment. Um, during the late in the game, uh, with less than like a minute left in the game, it was tied at two, two with about 55 seconds left in the game between Toronto and Montreal. And I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Boston and New York. Um, I, my fault. Um, they can't pay <laughs> this year. And this is true. This uh, and he's not even on any of those teams between Boston and New York, uh, the Rangers that is, and, 2-2, about a minute left or so, a little bit less. And he starts leaving the bench. I mean, so he starts leaving the ice to get to the bench because he told people afterwards he honestly thought they were down to the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, he, he, even he had to get a, a yeah. give a good chuckle about that. And, um, you know, you, you don't see that too often, but it was pretty funny watching. You don't, you know, but you kind of do. You see flubs like that in all kinds of sports. Whether yes. a guy MLB doesn't realize it's two outs and three, and he accidentally throws yeah. some stands or something like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. in the football season, you have Tom Brady who just won the Super Bowl. Forget what down it was. Yep. So it obviously so, happens. You know, it, it's, it's it's just yeah. a flub. Mental. Um, and also, I'll, I'll defend him on this part on that too. Is that if you look at the bench before then, he, they're saying go back, but it lost, in his mind, he might have thought thought at the same time. They're telling me to come to the bench too. Yeah, they're, wa- they're waving them like how you normally would. Like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're but, down, but it, again, saying, again, no, go back, go back, easier, go back, go back. It's easier to do this than to go go, go back. back, go yeah. back. <laughs> so that was a pretty comical moment uh, last yeah. night. And Alexander Gorgiev, uh, three goals allowed, twenty nine saves, point nine zero six save percentage. Uh, the only two games last night: Boston top and New York. And the uh, overtime, Boston down nine one and two. Brad Marchand, the game-winning goal in overtime. Toronto topping Montreal 4-2. to Josh Anderson, another goal. I believe this is his fourth straight goal 
um, fourth straight game with a goal, excuse me. And uh, you had four different goal scorers for Toronto, uh, Dermot, Hall, Mikheyev, and Hyman, and Tomas Tatar was the last one uh, for Montreal. Um, current standings, top a couple teams, Boston, still in the top spot. Not much, only two points ahead of Philadelphia, who, again, we'll get into in a little bit, um, here is, uh, you know, their, their games are on pause for now due to COVID-19 reasons. Um, they are in second, eight, three, and two with 18 points, Washington, 15 points, six, three, and three Tampa Bay, um, is, on uh, is crushing at nine, one, one, 19 points, uh, Florida, That's seven, crazy. one, and two and Chicago, six, four, and four, 16 points, both for the Panthers and the Blackhawks. So again, the only reason why the, Blackhawks are doing this well points wise. They have four overtime losses. Um, in the North Toronto leading the way by five points up um, 23 points. The next closest is 18 against Montreal. Montreal is 8 3 and 2 in second. Toronto 11 2 and 1 first. Edmonton 8 7 0 and 16 points. The last but not least, the West Vegas 8 1 and 1. St. Louis 7 4 and 2. Colorado 7 3 and 1. Um, 17 points, 16, and 15 in that order for those three. Uh, a lot of games going on tonight. Um, <clears throat> we got to keep an eye out just in case there are any COVID um, restrictions. But here is supposed to who's playing tonight Tampa against Florida, Edmonton, Montreal, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit, Nashville, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Carolina, Dallas, San Jose, LA, Calgary, Vancouver, Anaheim, Vegas. So those are games today. Also, uh, happy birthday to former Flyers captain Mike Richards. He turns 36 today. I forgot he was a person. And that is your stat head of February 11th. Mm-hmm. Well, there the Coyotes jump uh, came back. Yeah. They were near the bottom of the West. I think what helped was kind of sweeping uh, St. Louis during their series over the weekend. Big time. Oh, yeah, they're 7 2 and 1 or last 10. Or sorry, that's Arizona. Sorry. Or Colorado. <laughs> they're 5 and 5 and a three game winning streak currently for Arizona. Not bad. Not bad. Also, if <clears throat> look who's also knocking on the door, too, in the West at least, uh, Anaheim. <laughs> the Anaheim Ducks, they're only. They're tied. technically tied for a playoff mm-hmm. spot right now. Because remember, it's going to be four from each division. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That does have um, – I thought of two other topics in the middle of you giving your stat head that I thought of. Um, yeah. One of them being something I asked you last week in terms of playoffs and stuff like that. Uh, and the other one was – Oh, uh, shoot. I remember you telling me that. I got yeah. to look back. Yeah. Um, I I just lost what the other one was. <laughs> <laughs> Saving for Tuesdays there with uh, underachieving, but that's, that's an everyday thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, um, I think it's time to give some uh, huge news out in Pittsburgh. They finally yes. announced their general manager, and hey, Pittsburgh, you was you owe us. We were right. Yeah, technically. It's Ron Hextall. Again, because everyone's like, this is, well, everyone that's 
mentioned this uh, bringing Hicks all over. I think people were kind of surprised at the guy they brought in for president of hockey operations. It was Brian Burke. Yeah. People are a little surprised about that one. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and also, <laughs> you know, Flyers fans and all that too. Um, but again, because everyone's like, well, does this, what does this mean? Pittsburgh going forward? Cause they think Ron Hextall, what he did with the Flyers, um, being kind of not that aggressive, but building from within and everything. So, which is great, but it also indicates you may also be, uh, rebuilding a bit, even though he did say he's not a one trick pony, but what you kind of are at this point. Because you know what your strengths yeah. are, and at this point, you, 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 you know what you did. Looking back, look up. what he did with L.A. He helped mm-hmm. win them a championship five years. Philadelphia, they're getting better. He he he, you know, he got them out of cap hell. He got a lot of good prospects, a lot of good players. It, he he did resign the Flyers' hottest points or goal scorer before their COVID kind of stopped, and James Van Riemsdyk bringing him back. This is true. But yeah, so it's um, then there was also the goalies. He has there's positives and negatives. There's there's always back positives towards and negatives. his time in Philadelphia. But again, what would you say were the two biggest things, positive and negative? One positive, one negative. I think positively, um, positive cap. You got him out of cap hell. That that that's I think the far, by far the absolute biggest thing that Ron Hextall did mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Flyers. You got and make sure you have to give mixture to the scouts of the Flyers and Ron Hextall himself, the guys he yeah. drafted. Because the Flyers were yeah. one of these teams like Chicago or the Rangers or even the Devils, where every once in a while they're like the, in the top three because they got lucky in the draft lottery. They got lucky once and they got Nolan Patrick out of it. But mm-hmm. outside of that, he's dealt with the cards he's been and he's gotten great players out of it. Yeah. He's gotten Provorov. He's gotten. Connect me, Sanheim. Sanheim was his first mm-hmm. draft. Rupstoff, the jury's still out on him. I think at this point he's about a bottom six center, but you know, you need those. He could be the next Scott Lawton. Yeah. You never know. And he got Oscar Lindblom. Mm-hmm. Phil uh, Myers, you know, who was undrafted. Phil Myers, unsigned. Sorry, undrafted. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there was Carter another. Hot. There's another who went undrafted in, I don't know. Um, shoot, the, the one defenseman that we're waiting for, not not Wiley, of course. It's um, in New York. No, no, no. The, like the Russian guy, I can't think. Of, I can't believe I forget his name. Oh, Is any Russian Zamula? Yeah, Igor Zamula. Thank you. Oh my god. Yeah, he found Zamula. He signed him as an entry level contract, I believe. He um, did, so he's fun. But also his way of looking towards the scouts and everything was not just look Canada. Obviously he's got his Canada, some can Canadian uh guys in there, obviously TK, uh Patrick, but a lot of it is European, Russians, Swedes, yeah. Americans, some later on. But the mm-hmm. negatives, I'll say, is the obvious one of him being a l- not aggressive enough at times to get to that next level they had to be from getting out of the rebuild to, okay, let's let's go in, come on, do something. And the other thing, too, is at times he caught up the wrong person. 
Because in yeah. that seat in his last year in that goalie carousel, he was still calling up Tyrell Goldborn. And he was at best an yeah. HL. At, even at that point, he was at best an HL guy. And he was still calling him over than other guys that were maybe more uh, worth it, like Abby Kubel, who's now on the Flyers. He's a very solid, still, still some learning curves there, but still solid fourth liner and Abby Kubel. But there's that issue too. And a little too much trust or depending on who you hire, because he trusted Haxtell way too much. Um, and doing that, he, didn't get rid of the anchors long enough, but another thing, I'll put this in honorable mm-hmm. mention for his positives, trades. Underrated yeah, trades he, he, of trading away anchors. Not necessarily an- he, yeah, he anchors, some... but also just you're like, wow, you got that draft pick out of that out of Zach Ronaldo. Third you were round able pick to trade away Vinny LeCavier <laughs> and uh, Luke Shen. Uh-oh. I'll, I'll put it this way. All right, right, ready for this? Here, here were some very impressive trades. I'll go over since he joined Philadelphia. Let me see. All right, it goes back to as far as 2014. So his worst trade was probably R.J. Umberger for and a fourth round pick for um, Scott Hartnell. You know, he he traded yeah. sorry he traded Hartnell, Hartnell for Umberger and a fourth. Um, can't it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, he had two second round picks. For Kimo Tiemann, who, again, towards the end of his career with the blood cloth, one of them was at Wade Allison. Mm-hmm. The other, I think, was shipped off somewhere. He traded Braden Coburn for Racco Goods, who played for the Flyers for like three years, I think. He did pretty and good he, uh, for he, the Flyers, he did. too. He was very good. Um, for oh, a Flyers way, blue line under Hexton, that way, wasn't great. He was one of their better defensemen. Yeah. By the way, Goodis' salary, ready for this, was not even – a million dollars mm-hmm. and he dumped off Contracts sorry too. Coburn so he's four and a half mil um and <laughs> uh the Flyers got back a first and a third third I think they used it it was um Matei Tomek and the first they traded up um they traded that in a second round pick that's where the second round pick the other one came from for the team in trade so you draft Travis Konechny um <clears throat> Excuse me. He traded the salary of Chris Pronger and also Nick Grossman, who had a three hundred thousand dollar, sorry, three million dollar salary. They retained five hundred thousand. Um, so nearly eight mil for a conditional fourth round pick and Sam Gagne, who wasn't even that bad for the Flyers. One of my favorites, Brain um, Zach Ronaldo for yeah. a third round pick, who they used to draft Creel Ustamenko. Mm-hmm. Jordan Wheel and uh, sorry, they traded Luke Evillay and Luke Shanfer. Jordan Wheel, who got some service out of that, and a third round pick, Carson Torinsky. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, let's see. Oh, they got they traded, uh, he traded Braden Shanfer, Eurolitero, and two first round picks. Yeah, Eurolitero is awful, but he drafted Farabee and Morgan Frost with them. And other than that, um, yeah, that's all he really did, at least like the more notable trades. Right. But again, at but times, yeah, so he did in, great with trading. He, he does, but at times, because when you look at the trade that day, whenever that trade happens, maybe at times, not the 
best person to come over, look at your letter, RJ Umberger, but the pieces outside of that, that came out of those yes. picks, you also have to look at too, but that's something you look back in hindsight. That's not something oh, you sure. right then. No, exactly. Again, for example, the Braden Shen trade and yeah, where they drafted Morgan Frost later that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frost is still trying to find his game enough to uh, make it to the NHL. And, mm-hmm. And for, for unfortunately for him, it's a lot of it's the size issue that he's just going to have to right. overcome as he gets. And even Fairby, he's small too, but this year he has absolutely come. He, at, he's making it work. Mm-hmm. He, he's him and are both. Yeah, and I love it. Um, but anyway, so again, to recap, Hextall, the next general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. Brian Burke, president of hockey ops for the Pittsburgh so, Penguins. What were your positives and negatives? So I gave mine. I don't know if you gave yours. Yeah. Um, positives. I, if I had to give a few, definitely trading, um, drafting, those were two and the last but not least most, most important one, um, getting, you know, rid of the cap, you know, cause that, that, yeah. that was the biggest thing. Cause Paul Holmgren spent to the cap as much as possible and it sucked for years and years and years. The Flyers cannot do it because that's essentially what Holmgren, he's walking into when he yeah. goes into Pittsburgh and that the guy yeah. before him was like, we really, because these guys that we have, the core or whatever, Crosby, Mulkin in this case, um, you know, we should still try to go for it because they're still pretty much in their prime. And while they're still good, we should still try to go for it because we didn't, we still won not that long ago. So we can still do it. Right. But because of that, you they're, they're guys, always in a win now. And, and, yeah, for, and for, unfortunately, when you do that, you bring in guys with bigger contracts and that hurts your cap. So yeah. bringing in um, but my really one, helps. my one negative for Hextall, he didn't he didn't go after some big fish. I mean, obviously, like JVR yeah. was the biggest one he could get, but again, think about it though, he couldn't. You know why? Again, he was too busy sp- trying to spend as much time as possible. And look how long it took him to yeah. just to call up Carter Hart. Yeah. Now sometimes it works. Fair, sometimes he gives the guys an extra ear. Provorov he. Brought yeah. back into the juniors, even though realistically he probably could have played that first year. Him and Connecting both spent a year in juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, you know, necessary? Possibly. Um, mm-hmm. Could they have played in NHL that first year? Probably, sure. but uh, more development can never hurt. I mean, look at their games now; they've really established themselves as mm-hmm. honestly, which shockingly say veterans in the NHL. Now. And then this too, because everyone says this about AV, but I'd say this about uh, Hextall. At times, he doesn't trust—not necessarily trust, but doesn't go with the, the young guys. guys. So he yeah. goes with the guys that are veterans. So at times, he wouldn't put young guys, even though they might mesh well together. They just never trusted that because they were too young. He didn't want too long of a young of a line together or a pair. Right. So overall, um, put it this with way. McDonald. So you know, maybe that. Now I'll put it this way: for the Penguins, this is a really important year because again, they don't have a first round pick. They got rid of it to Minnesota, and again, I'm predicting they're going to miss the playoffs, and it's going to be a top ten pick. Happening. Hey, I don't either, but you never know. Uh, but my point but is, seeing though, how knowing knowing Hextall mm-hmm. and seeing how many years in a row they've been with that first-round pick for the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's going to go out and get one. He's going to have to dump someone's salary or just you know a good player to get there. But 
you know, he, he's got to do what he's got to do. They need prospects fast and they got to, they got to dump some salary. Yeah. And this is something I even brought up to you too. And I think, I think they kind of went to the right place. We right higher in a sense outside of the, cause everyone's going to say, I don't, it's weird saying Ron Hex will go to the penguins, but is it that weird? Yeah. Cause look at some of the assistant coaches they had talk it and their cup runs was assistant coach. Last year, I believe mm. Mark Recchi was a assistant coach. So, and obviously Flyers players and stuff like that yep. back and forth. Uh, Aaron Asham played on both, you know, the bigger one, Yager. If anyone in the 90s on the Penguins said, yeah, right, he's going to play in the Flyers sometime in, his, sometime in his career, you would have thought he was crazy. Oh, yeah. So to me, I don't think it's that weird. But I think it's weird in the sense that I think they're realizing that, okay, maybe we should start trying to get some type of farm system to possibly rebuild by also, you know, with these guys. Because who out when eventually Crosby, you know, retires and everything, who's their future Mm -hmm. number one center? Because every other time it was, okay, just put someone with them. Crosby can just make them great. That's great. But then... And the one thing that helped you win was depth, but good way to try to get depth if you don't have the cap is try to build from within. So I think at yeah. that sense, uh, they're going the right path with Textile. Yeah, no, I, I really do agree. And that's um, me I think, as a Flyers fan saying that as well. Yeah, I think that they are going in the right direction. As much as I hate to say it, they yeah. got a good GM. A strong GM who knows what he's doing. He's and done he, this he deserved a twice before. Too. He deserved another chance oh, yeah. to beat GM. Um, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see. Honestly, I'm interested to see what his first trade's going to be. Um, you yep. know, he's got to dump some salaries in there rather than later. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll keep eyes on that. Yes. So uh, I think it's time to jump to the COVID protocols. Yeah. So. Obviously, which is pretty much inevitable with uh, yep. any sports at this point, is you're just going to kind of have a potential outbreak of COVID. Everything can because the list has increased big time. Yeah, it keeps kind of growing. And I feel like the NHL has to change pace at some point. Because yeah. I even thought before they, they made the moves today. I thought like before then, uh, like early in the week when the Flyers first came out with the COVID stuff of what, not necessarily what they should do, but I think there's really four potential ways. One, I think is not impossible, just very highly unlikely at the moment. But one of them is try to stay course. That's what you have going right now. At the moment, it's not doing well, but I also feel like you're trying to do what the NFL did was just plow ahead. And at times, I feel like you're going to be bitten in the ass by that. Uh, another thing, a second one I, I would not necessarily be against, but would be interesting is this could be going down. Just put a bubble in each division. And I think to you do this to. right, I would actually allocate a couple of weeks after the season. I know they have a planned date of when they want the next season to start in like fall. Yeah around that time, but I would allocate a couple weeks after the scheduled stuff so you can put it for cover reasons, and I would stop the season for like 
a week or two for the cases to, you know, die down or go away. So then when you go into those bubbles, whichever city you go into, you're limiting the potential of COVID exposure in that bubble, similar to what you did going into the bubble during the playoffs. I think that's a, that's one way you can do it. It's just trying to find what cities will be able to do it. You know, hotel combinations. Another thing, uh, this is very highly unlikely at the moment, but get your, get the players vaccinated, but you know, vaccine right now is pretty, there's not a great supply at the moment for COVID vaccine. And I don't think people are already kind of annoyed by professional sports getting advanced testing before like getting results right away back when yeah the wait like weeks before they got their result exactly and let's be honest as much as we love sports there's more important things and more more people people more important than athletes so that could be something that could focus on when it comes to next season vaccinating your players um that's the one i say is very highly unlikely right now because you would so pause and the other thing thing, go over yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I have one more, and then you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it's, it. I think you have to pretty much put in strict. You can try to go as is. You're still probably going to have uh, outbreaks, but you got to be as strict as you were in the in the bubble. Potentially saying not to be by loved ones for a couple months while the season still goes on, like you did during the playoffs. And now it's hard. I know some players don't like that. Mm. That's an option. But also you could put this too strict, not just them, but also their family, which kind of came out today, which I don't know why that wasn't in place already. Like I get this idea of removing the glass behind uh, the bench, but I don't think that's the issue. Cause I feel like in that game, in that moment, realistically speaking, those players are negative at the moment. So the risk of exposure to COVID, I think is kind mm-hmm. of low or minimal and potential of exposure to other teams. So it's what happens after the games, where the players going and all this. And I know it was cute early in the week. You saw Drew playing with this kid in the snow, but maybe it should just kind of be almost until cases go down until you get kind of a hold of it, maybe strict as much as access as you can as possible. Because you, you it, still have to try to plow your way. It's such a tough game. call. It, it's a it, tough call, but that's just something I would do. And I don't know why, especially when it was even before the season started, you were starting to have cases in New Jersey has had so many cases. It's like, are they going to play a game ever again at this point? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm shocked Tampa Bay has not been affected because they're running around like a bunch of idiots mm-hmm. down there. Not saying necessarily the players, but. You yeah, get it's, the point. it's Florida. There's places that are a little it's looser Florida. on stuff, but the NHL has they don't to care completely. I think at yeah. the moment, strict what the players can do. Pretty much what you did yeah. in the bubble, but essentially place bubbles for when there's players get when they're away. So just yeah. stay in the resort or hotel, whatever you're staying at. But at home, that's where it's going to be trickier. That's the trickier right. part. It, it's it's going to be it's such it a very tricky my, situation and not necessarily I just potential ideas of maybe yeah. how they can get through it. It's just inevitable that it's going to, that they're going to have cases. Yeah, it really it. is. And it's such a shame, but it's again, like, you know, so the bottom line is you, you just, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. Like no. we, we've been doing this for already a year now. And yeah. These guys are running around like, 
again, like it doesn't matter. Like, again, like we've we said it before, like it's not hard you're not to be gonna a decent have, human being. You're not gonna halfway head in the playoffs or you got no cases. It's impossible at this exactly. point. Exactly. It's impossible. Again, because it's just it's impossible. Not but only are you the when I want to run over the numbers real quick oh, sure. here. Uh, here are the current players unavailable due to COVID protocol as of today. Um, here are the teams that have one or more player Edmonton, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, Florida, Anthony DeClaire. Uh, LA is to be announced. Um, so it sounds like they might have one. Minnesota has a bunch, and I mean a bunch Nick Bugstad, Nick Bonino, Jonas Berdine, Ian Cole, Joel Erickson Eck, Brad Hunt, Mark Sjonsson, Victor Ask, Carson Susie, Jared Spurgeon, Nico Sturm, and Ken Talbot. New Jersey has the most. Nate um, Bastion, Jesper Brock, Connor Carrick, Eric Comrie, Nikita Gusev, Nico Hashir, Jack Hughes, Andreas Janssen, Dmitry Kulikov, John Kukunen, um, Michael McLeod, Kyle uh, Mary, Damon Severson, Ty Smith, Matt Tennyson, Sammy Bonin, and Pavel Zaka, and Travis Zajac. Islanders to be announced, uh, New York Rangers, Phil Cheadle, Philadelphia just announced uh, we knew Travis Sanheim uh, was on the list. Uh, joining him is Justin Braun, Jake Borchek, Claude Drew, and Morgan Frost. And last but not least, Vegas, Thomas Nosek. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I wasn't keeping track, so if anyone was counting those, um, let us know in the numbers. It's a solid. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, you essentially El- have- Elliot Freeman tweeted out a pretty big thread of the yes, new COVID new- measures today. Yeah. Um, it includes asking players remain to remain at home as much as possible, except for practices and games. One thing I suggest: they recommend household members limit uh, discretionary activities outside the home. Again, something uh, I, su- I suggested. <laughs> yeah, ninety-nine um, ninety-five masks. Yeah, yeah, K- K- ninety-five masks. I don't know what the difference is. Rapid testing and game days mandating all meetings be held virtually. Glass removed from pony box. Um, there are also detailed section on reconfiguring dressing room seating to best protect anyone who's not had it. And seeing the replies about movement, this is always a request, but rules are different depending on where you live and play. Even if you live in an area with more loud, it's an ask to restrict yourself. Yeah. So it's it's a lot right now, you know? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they, I don't know why... Because I know the other tests that they have been using is more accurate, but when it, you're having games pretty much every day from now until the end of the season, I would prefer, I know they're not as accurate, but the rapid testing, just because you want to know quicker so you can kind of hopefully limit the spread as, po- as much as possible. And unfortunately, because you have locker rooms that realistically aren't that big when you really think about it, even when you put it, when you've taken out the, you know, media, you still have coaches, uh, staff, players and all this. So that's still a pretty condensed room that just got even more condensed. So and I think Mm -hmm. another thing that was added to was uh, uh, virtual meetings, not in-person meetings, which, again, Mm -hmm. I don't know why that wasn't a thing to begin the season. Who knows? Yeah, that's just something they're going to have to deal with. And unfortunately, because of that, the Flyers not, at least, I don't know if because of the news today, if it changes anything. But at the moment, the next time the Flyers can even practice is on Monday. Today is the Thursday, 
the 11th of February. So still a couple of days before then. And this four does, days. yep, four days, which does potentially jeopardize the second Rangers game. Maybe if you start getting more cases and maybe even that outdoor series game against yep. the Bruins that's later this month. Yeah. Well, I'll see if they're lucky, they're able to play it. Yeah. And the other thing you have to worry about too, at least Flyers' sake, when the maybe it's a good thing, bad thing, not the mm. obviously outside of the virus itself, but getting a week off essentially of playing of any type, if that's a benefit or if that hurts, if it hurts guys who are hot like Joel Faraby and JVR, if it helps them because maybe they were a little tired coming into the season. That's why you saw some of the struggles early on. Maybe that could help it, but we'll just have to wait and see for when they come back and how they play afterwards. Yeah. Cause we even saw cool. with ghost after he had it early on in the season, it took him like a game or two to start getting his skinny legs going again. So, Oh, for sure. It, it, it will take a lot of, uh, a lot of you, I'm sure. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how this, you know, how the team responds to this. Uh, and, and again, each team has team, um, you know, you know, members of the team uh, with it. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's just, it's that. a crappy so situation. Transition um, a bit over to our next deep dive. Uh, ironically, it's New Jersey, the one team that has the most COVID, you know, yes, and cases, who has only so. played nine games, <laughs> which is the least amount in the whole league. Yeah. Um, even, uh, they are four, three and two with 10 points, mm-hmm. which again, yeah. I'm not really they, surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, so because... going into the, the off season, they had only a, they had a decent amount of guys that they needed to resign. None of them were really that yeah, they big added, on salary. They added Johnson. They added yeah. They, um, they got him in Crawford, trade. who uh, unfortunately retired yeah. before the season started. Um, yeah. And then obviously you have all the COVID shit that's kind of hurt them. Yep. Uh, they added Nolan Foot, and he's actually yeah. That was that was a huge trade with Tampa Bay. Yep. Uh, which yeah, they, I think they got Jeff him at the moment still believes that's at least dumb at the moment for. Type of basic for getting rid of a guy. Now, yeah. finds, I still think it is. Yeah, a high kind of prospect. Yeah, they also the got uh, Ryan Murray from Columbus Blue Jackets for a fifth round pick. The no mm-hmm. salary retain again. He's a four point six mil yeah. cap hit. And I think so both of pretty, us. Yeah. I know a lot of people last year were because they added Subban, they got Gusev, they added, and they had uh, gotten uh, Jack Hughes Jackie's that they thought the they were gonna. You know, just not necessarily light it up, but they were going to be, they were going to be in the playoffs or whatever. People were, had high expectations. And I was one of the few, I think you were too, that didn't necessarily buy into that. And I still don't. No. And I think at the moment, for both our lists of where we play some, they're rebuilding. Yeah. It, it, it's safe to say, like, despite getting two number one picks in, uh, in a handful of years, they're, they're still rebuilding two very good forwards. They need a lot more help. I mean, looking at the roster, their average age, surprisingly, is 23.9. Literally, the two, three. All right, so there's a, yeah, all right. So there are forwards wise, there are four 
players who are 25 or older. The mm. oldest is Miles Wood, who's sorry, uh, Kyle Murray, who's 30. Yeah. On defense, average age is 27. Um, you have three guys who are 30 or 31. Um, the youngest being Ty Smith, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not counting the taxi squad. Or the non, non-roster players, such as Sajak yes. in terms of uh, um, forwards. Yeah. And um, um, Jack Hughes is 19, of course, on the for the youngest forward. And because they're so young, that's why I was like, okay, that's very... Because last year they seemed to want to go for it. When I even then I was like, "Why are you trying to go for it when you're still in the rebuild? You're not ready for it." Why are you? Yeah, I, it, I get one trying to be competitive. I know you're not really in New York, but you're still kind of in that market area. But I mean, you're still rebuilding. I'm sorry you you jumped too early, and because of that, you kind of. Yeah. Um, Shot yourself they, they have a lot of decisions to make. So right now they have 7.3 mil. And what hurts them this face. year, especially is Nico Hughes. not even COVID related is hurt. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, um, they have a lot of player. contracts expiring. They have Nikita Gusev 4.5 mil. Kyle mm-hmm. Palmieri 4.65 mil. Uh, Ryan Murray 4.6 mil. Um, they have, Travis Zajac, 5.75 mil. Sammy Bonin, 2 mil. They have a lot of cap space coming up. They already um, have if, a lot of if, cap space right now because there's. I know, but I'm saying like they yeah. could get a whole Even lot, more. a lot yeah. more. Like they could be, it, 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 depending on who they want to keep and who they want to get rid of, they could easily be 20 mil in cap space if they really wanted mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll see how how our buddy Tommy New Jersey does as, uh, they, going forward. They also did where do you bring see in, New Jersey finishing in the division? Like right there, where they're in seventh or what? I've gone back and forth on this so many mm-hmm. times because I have no idea who's worse, Buffalo or New Jersey. It may end up in a tie. I don't know. They're both. It, it could equally. New Jersey's zero and two on the. Oh, sorry. Um, that's shit. That doesn't count. They, they they just they have a win streak of one. So whoop de do. They're four three and two. New one. Jersey four four and two. Buffalo four Buffalo. Yeah. And so yeah. that neither one so is it, great. No matter what, the Rangers, Devils, and Sabers are going to finish bottom three. Yeah, and I think uh, New Jersey might be in the basement again, like they were this past season. Yeah, so um, we'll see how things play out. And I'm the only really reason why hoping... I say that is because the Sabres have Jack, uh, have Eichel. Yeah. And even though yeah. I think he's very soon going to want out. Probably. Um, they also have Jeff Skinner on the fourth line. Again, I don't know who is worse. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad everywhere. Mm-hmm. They do have um, Buffalo's former coach and Lindy Ruff. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, again, they have some pieces, but the biggest one of the big, obviously we've mentioned this every time is, and it was bigger last offseason because he was an RFA and they resigned him. But Saka, when he is ever going to kind of necessarily show up or mm. be the guy they expected him to kind of be, but at this point he's kind of middle six center. 
maybe even bottom six. Yeah. The Yon- the Yonten one is interesting to me, but he's also young enough where it's like, okay. Like there's pieces. He there's- literally was like a rookie, what, two years ago? Yeah. He put a Patrick against the Flyers. I watched that game um, yeah. a bit inebriated. That may have been the game, Jeffrey. I f- threw up at the wedding. <laughs> that was a game to remember because I remember watching it in the ho- uh, hotel room with Mitch. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, and maybe just because of his contract at nine million but i still yeah i'm still kind of high on pk i know he hasn't had the best but, last but couple seasons been an interesting player I, I don't know how i feel about him like i, I think i still I think, think he has still an him, effective but, player yeah but one thing that again i'm not gonna lie one thing that does not help him his salary yeah literally he's making nine mil per year that's pretty awful now yeah. I guarantee you, if they slash that in half at least, and if they want to bring it back, that's fine. You just gotta say, look, no offense, you're a good player. We don't believe you're worth nine mil per year anymore. He's not. You gotta take I mean, at the cut. time that contract ends, he'll be thirty three. So yeah. Now, if, if by the I'm, time the next contract P, starts, yeah. he'd be at least thirty three. If if I'm Tom Fitzgerald and I'm on the New Jersey Devils, you're I'm playing. saying, look, we want to keep you around, but. You we gotta you gotta bring down your contract because it's way way too high for, yeah, for what you're kind of providing at the moment. Yeah, because he's we know you, have it, he's we not know you still have it in you, but you gotta you gotta play better in the last couple years or whatever you have left in this uh, contract. Because he's kind of bounce it back. He is three points in nine games, yeah. all assists um, last year. He had 18 points, a uh-huh. career low. And honestly, that's even before that, his career <clears throat> his career low was um, two points, and that's when he was a rookie when he played only two games, so that really counts. So this is his worst career season in his career last year. Yeah. Seven goals and 11 assists. A career low in assists last year, and – um, second lowest amount of goals scored mm-hmm. in his career in a season. I, but he played 68 games in that aspect of that. So, um, you know, yeah. yikes. Little yikes. Um, that's He's, all I really got so on the you, you know, Yeah. I was going to say that's all I really got well, on the New Jersey. But what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say one, one last thing on Sibian. You know what's really hard to believe? Because you know how people consider him offensive defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. He's one year only where he's gotten 60 points. Other than that, he isn't top 60. Literally one year, 60 points. I mean, he's a defenseman. So, I mean. You can make the argue for a lot of offensive defensemen out there that hit 60 points. Oh, I know. I know, but I think he has that offensive ability, but I think people thought of him more of a two-way defenseman more than him being like, oh, he's this offensive kind of juggernaut like Shea Weber or um, yeah, like that, because he has been really, really good. Just for some reason lately, he just has. I don't know. It's something about him there. It's just 
No, I think know, it's even been before he, that. I think his last year in Nashville, I don't think it was great. I don't think it was. Uh, but yeah, that's all I really got there. But I do have a fun little uh, thing. It's kind of fun. But yeah, let's hear it. Thing I thought of the other day in a conversation I had with Mitch, because this season's going to be kind of weird and everything, just because you have all these yeah. new division alignments. But because More weird than already these, has been. Yeah, and because of some of these division alignments, you have both East and West Coast teams in it, in the Central and for the North. So yeah, when it comes down to conference, it's the top team from each division that makes it. So my question to you, Jeff, is would you see it any different if you see like two West Coast teams, say it's like Dallas and Colorado, or uh, if it's uh, Boston and Tampa Bay or something like that. Would you see this Stanley Cup any different from any other? And having said that, would you then put an asterisk next to the team that won it? I mean, yes and no, because again, like this is this is another year where it's a very difficult season. Um, they're trying to get as many games out as possible. They created what 56, 59 games at most. Um, a lot of teams are already affected by COVID. So it just shows you how hard like of a season this is going to be. So I don't think, again, it's going to be an asterisk, uh, asterisk next to the Stanley Cup, just like people were saying it should have been last year. If anything, you know, don't have an asterisk next to it. But um, it would be pretty interesting to have two East teams or two West teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out in my head how that's even re- uh, remotely possible. But I, it, it it's going to be possible. You know, it, it can be possible. It could have four teams. Yes, Tampa Bay is first, and Boston is second. Boston would be playing sec- the third place team. Tampa Bay would be playing the fourth place team. If they won, yeah. they'd be facing each other in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So it 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 it, it could be possible, and uh, which is crazy and. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but uh, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it would be like I the first time since because, because it's this year, it, it's gonna happen. I wouldn't be surprised. Mostly I wouldn't be I shocked. Just be kind of better than the West at the moment, but it, it, it's true. I can't throw Colorado or Vegas out of it. So in that sense, no. no. But um, but one of those teams is going to be one of the teams that comes out of it. Both teams can't come out of it. One team, no, exactly. So, so if you had a guess right now, it would be who were the favorites to get to the cup? Vegas, Tampa, Vegas, who are two other teams? Uh, I think you also have to Vegas slash Colorado, um, Boston, Boston, yeah, definitely. Um, Maybe if Montreal has that same kind of spark they had with Carey Price, or if and I'm not going to lie, if if this team gets Vancouver hot or time, Toronto, I was going to say Toronto because they, they're 11 two and one. They are killing, they're they're the best team in hockey right now. 11 two and one, 23 points. They're leading the way. It's crazy. They still have um, yeah. They've won four in a row. So if 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 t- things go Toronto's way, they could be not only I'm not gonna as long as they don't face Boston in the first round, they're good. Mm-hmm. So 
we'll see it how it plays out. Uh, more importantly, though, we do need to see how the season gets back on track as, again, a lot of teams are again affected by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And um, for the Flyers, they pick things back up hopefully on Monday is when they're supposed to be able to practice again. Let's hope that that is the case. They had some games canceled. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a crappy situation, but again, it's we got to see how it all pans out. Definitely, it's a tough year. You just kind of have to plow through it somehow. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes, and they're going to get through a season somehow, some way. But yeah. It's, I think the goal is again to to get through this season some way somehow, no matter what. That way they can play full eighty two game season starting in the fall. Yeah, definitely. that's their goal, one thousand percent to get back on track. Yep. With that, so. I think that's all we really got for today for hockey podcast. Again, like I said earlier, we got a special guest for next hockey podcast, so look forward to that. Should be coming out at least next Wednesday, if not Thursday morning, sometime around there. Uh, So, yeah, keep a lookout for that. And obviously, Undertrievers on Tuesday. And until then, we will see you next time.